Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. I am your host Laurie Brooke and together we will get to take a look at what goes on behind closed doors. Today we are doing a wrap-up of the last 10 episodes. Today we are doing a wrap-up of the last 10 episodes. So I've done one of these before. Every 10 episodes, I just want to do a wrap-up of the previous shows to keep on top of the important messages. So the best bits that have come out of those shows, just to give you a bit of a, I suppose, a refresher on what we have learned and shared over the last 10 weeks. It's so easy to listen and then get caught up in our day-to-day lives and continue carrying on. But this work, or the magic in this work, I should say, is when we actually get to implement it and pick the best bits that are going to suit us and our lives. So let's kick it off. A wrap-up of episodes 12 to 21. In episode 12, I was with you and I got to talk to you about entitlement and our relationships. Entitlement in a relationship is a bit like saying, I'm going to go out tonight, so next week you can. Or I'll stay home and look after the kids tonight, but tomorrow night you need to stay home and look after the kids. Or I will do this for you, but I want you to do this back for me. Or do you remember last week how I cooked dinner three nights that week? Well, this week I want you to cook dinner three nights. It's that constant keeping score, the constant one for you, one for me scenario. And as much as that might seem fair and that might seem like the right way to carry your relationship, it's unrealistic. We have entitlements in our jobs, in our careers, in our professions. And We have the ability to claim what we are entitled to. We don't necessarily have that same ability in our personal relationships. There's no HR department that's going to pay us for overtime. There's no HR department that's going to say, well, you worked an extra six hours this week, so you can take six hours off next week. We don't get that. We have to do that for each other. Stop looking at it from a, I did this for you, so you need to do that back for me. In episode 13, I was joined by Ermi Hossein and she was speaking to us about friendships and what she has learnt, having relocated many times throughout her life. The one thing I'm very curious to you is when you hear the word friendships, what does that actually mean to you? To me... It means trustworthy. Like this is one word that I think about, which is uh, trustworthy. And something that it's long lasting. And I learned that we have to make an effort. You know, it has to, it has to be like a two-way street. 
it's not too history there is no way to continuing anything and I just make an effort for the people that really matter in my life literally and I guess and I, I think it goes back to the fact that you should it's not about having 500 friends on Facebook but having like five friends that are like good friends yeah. but you also want to have friends who are there to like celebrate you and I think that's important you want to have a bit of both worlds you want to have people that are there to celebrate you but you also want to have people that are there to bring you up when you're down you know and this is how you build like a build res like you build resilience you build strength and I in episode 14 I shared with you a podcast interview I did with Stel Coomheath of the Beyond Overeating podcast where we discussed the whole concept of how you do one thing is how you do everything and the correlation between relationships and overeating. You know, doing the right thing, like we often act just like out of an emotional space, which is can be damaging. <laughs> yeah, and that's where a lot of the problems come from, isn't it, Stella, is when we act from that emotional, it's an emotional response, yeah. It's not one that's actually given much thought or um, there's no peace behind the decision. We're doing it because we feel like we need to do it. Um, and that's just adding burden. And then that often fuels the conflict and creates more conflict. And it's just this vicious cycle that seems to be really hard to get out of. Because there's always something that we can relate to, isn't there? Yeah. At the end of the day, we've all had these little difficulties. Yeah, absolutely. And conflict in a relationship, you know, that's that's something common. It doesn't mean that people necessarily separate, uh, yeah. but it's two people coming together from different beliefs and different paradigms and all sorts of things. You know, there's obviously something that you might not agree with. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> you, why do you think there's so much shame or stigma around having conflict in a relationship? I think, I think society has a lot to answer for here because we kind of feel all the time that we need to have things right, that, yeah. you know, we need to have our stuff together. Yes. And if we don't have our stuff together, then we're doing something wrong. We're dropping a ball somewhere. We're not, you know, we're not juggling all of our roles, whatever they may be, mm. um, as well as we could be. And there's always somebody else out there who looks like they're doing it better than us. Yes. And so when we start to experience, experience these difficulties we kind of sit there and go what's wrong with us what what am I doing wrong why can't I make this work and especially if you've had multiple breakdown uh, relationship breakdowns and you start to sit there and you think about well, that one didn't work that one didn't work that one didn't work am I the am I the reason mm. that everything's falling apart and so then we get caught up in our thoughts as well and this is where you know emotional eating often comes in because we try and avoid um conflict or you try and avoid emotions it's better to just find a distraction um and you know distractions can be anything like it could be netflix marathons or you know having two extra glasses of wine or you know and some people just just lean to food um yep so and i think this this is really valid we we need to support ourselves by realizing oh okay here's my habit I want to go back to, to you know eating um distraction 
what what can I do differently here? How can I have that conversation? And you're right. I think if the foundation is solid, um, you are able to really have that open conversation um, yep. instead of avoiding it. Yeah, absolutely. But then I think the next step after all of that too is tr trusting the response. Yes. And not, you know, when, when somebody says, no, it's okay, everything's okay, I'm just, you know, whatever – frustrated, upset, angry, irritable, whatever the case may be, then not going, oh, you know, he said he's okay, but he really isn't. Yeah. And then looking, because the minute you start thinking that, then you're looking for evidence. You're looking for evidence. That. Yes, absolutely. Episode 15, the very first episode for 2023. And we were talking about a new year, new you, and looking at how you actually plan and I suppose, what goals you have in place for your relationships. Have you done that yet? Have you actually put in place goals and reflected on what went well and what didn't go well in your relationship? And it's the same for your relationships. Um, we do this, you know, we often create goals from, you know, whether it be from a family perspective about holidays we want to do or big purchases that we want to make that year. We do it from a business perspective in terms of what we want to achieve. We can do it from a career perspective, but often we don't do it for our relationships. And I think it's just as important in our relationships that we look at what we want to achieve and not only what we want to achieve, but what we want to avoid. One of the great ways that we can make positive steps forward in our relationship is to do a little bit of self-reflection to understand what happened in the past that we don't want to happen again episode 16 i was joined by crispin watson as she shared with us how she has become a rock star single mom now this woman is just a powerhouse doing everything that she does but making sure that she also takes care of her so she can turn up and be the best mom possible how you got to being a rock star mom? It came down to actually just loving myself completely and wanting nothing but happiness and peace in my life. So I had to master that before I was able to show up fully for my kids. Yes, seeing a therapist, speaking with a therapist is the number one thing that kind of pulled me out of the hole. Um, just, you know, being able to talk to someone that's not involved in the situation. So they're not, you know, it's not your friends and your family. So they're not swayed, you know, to automatically take your side in the situation. But even to this day, I don't, I don't, I'm not in therapy anymore. I was going through the divorce, but for today, my self-care routine, actually today was a self-care day for me. And for me, that looks like me going to the gym. I've gone back in the gym, you know, really heavily. I'm trying to get my myself in the best shape possible so working out working my body um going to my nail appointment I got a mani and a pedicure so that's always fun it makes me feel good and just kind of relaxing taking time to turn off work 
turn off actually thinking about something because I used to spend my self-care time like I would be um getting a pedicure but I'm on there like I have my laptop in my lab you know sending emails doing this doing that not really soaking up the moment and just enjoying the me time so now I've made it a habit to actually just like turn off any distractions and just enjoy and think and meditate in that moment and even to me like me sitting down and watching a movie or like binge watching a Netflix series that's self-care to me because I'm not a big tv watching person like a lot of entrepreneurs we're just like on the go on the go so we don't really sit down and watch tv a lot so like watching tv is a self-care um routine for me and another thing I like to do <laughs> which I'm slowing down on because I said I'm back in the gym is taking myself out to eat I like to eat. I like good food. So I'll take myself out to eat and take myself to have a drink and just kind of enjoy that time to myself away from the kids without hearing mama, mama, mama every five minutes. I've learned to never come down on yourself. And, and to, honestly, it grew my faith. It helped me to always know that, you know, although it's dark right now, is going to get better. You just have to take it as a test and just know that life isn't going to always be easy. So kind of always kind of expect the unexpected. Don't put too much into things. I'm not saying like don't have a guard up or anything like that, but just don't put your all into it to where if it does not work out, you know, you're at a point where you're feeling suicidal or you're you're just not who who you are, you know, the person that God created you to be. So just kind of grow, grow with it, grow through it, and don't ever let it change you as a person unless it's changing you for the better. Episode 17, I was joined by Ingrid Galloway. This was an old interview that I had done, but that I reshared because we talk about how we can create these stronger relationships, which is something that we all need to remember time and time again. Oh, um, acceptance will be the first thing that come to mind because uh, change is inevitable. So accept that uh, change will be thrown upon you from time to time that is outside your control. Like There's a lot of situations that people find themselves in that for whatever reason, you know, they feel angry, mm. they get that guilt, they get that shame. Mm-hmm. And to work through that without blame Mm. which is something that I come across a lot is that um for the couples I'm working with it's it's their fault yep you know it's if only they didn't do yeah um there's a lot of blame in that anger in that guilt in that shame which to me is quite often our egos coming out that's right yes we're only human right so of course we are full of egos and sometimes it plays out uh our uh, partner uh, that we have at a time can be our absolute mirror (laughs) They, they can trigger us big time because guess what we need to learn from that exact behavior because they're mirroring us Right? Oh, it hurts because it's true. And- <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yep. Yes. They're just mirroring us, right? So uh, let me just uh, 
compartmentalize a little bit of the anger and shame and guilt um, and but let me start with pointing and blaming right it is the easiest fallback mechanism that we have mm -hmm. pointing and blaming other people simply because we don't want to be responsible for our own actions. so the easiest way to do is to point and blame our partner easy um, but it hurts not just them but also yourself and the kids if you have kids right um, now let me cover about anger anger is the easiest emotion uh, that can sh that we can show other people say typically men sorry men I'm generalizing here not all men are like this but uh, generally speaking men having difficulties in expressing emotion but the easiest emotion that can ex they can express is anger because probably that's their uh, conditioning their father like that their grandfather is like that yep. so uh, it's just the easiest emotion to express and um, us women just don't like that I mean who likes to receive um, anger right and Anger unfortunately kills healthy cells in our bodies. So we need to question ourselves. Uh, is it worth it to keep being angry to uh, either a situation or our partner? The next one that I would like to cover uh, is shame. Now, shame is one of the great unspoken world word in the world. So uh, one of the great unspoken word in the world. It's about feeling wrong, not good enough. You feel numb, wanting to hide, disappear, and even cease to exist. And unfortunately, uh, shame correlated to violence, addiction, aggression, eating disorder, bullying, even suicide. That's the worst outcome of yes. shame, right? So be careful if we keep using shame as a tool of oppression as a tool of parenting, for example. Uh, the, the energy, it's belittling, humiliating, dehumanizing the recipient of that. Yep. Right? So shame doesn't just destroy the victim, but be careful, it also destroys the person who use it. Now, guilt is different. Uh, say, for example, you did a bad thing, but you're not a bad person. So if you can uh, differentiate the uh, difference between guilt and shame. So guilt is, uh, yes, uh, you did a bad thing, but you're not a bad person. You feel guilty. Oh, yes, you know, I did this to my partner. I, I feel bad about it, but you're not a bad person. Um, so if you have been angry and projecting shame and guilt to your partner or ex-partner, just remember, you are on your way to destroying healthy cells in your own body. So my big question is, is it worth it? Yeah. Then in episode 18, I shared with you the concept of relationship mediations and relationship conversations and how they can actually be used to strengthen your relationships. I think we're used to hearing people talk about going to couples counselling, couples therapy, relationship counselling. But the term or the thought of having to do a mediation, a relationship mediation, makes people wonder what's wrong. You know, there's a little bit of stigma out there from a counselling and therapy perspective, depending on where you're located in the world. For some regions, 
it's normal, it's healthy, it's good. And for others, it's a little kind of got that, um, I suppose, people looking at you wondering how much longer is your relationship going to last? What's really going on underneath the surface or why are things so bad that you need to do that? And the same can be said with relationship mediation. Now, mediation is different to counselling in that it is solution focused. It is making sure that we address the issue and look for ways that we can solve the issue and move on. Counselling, you're talking a lot about what happened in the past. We're talking about our feelings and it's a more therapeutic intervention. So depending on what you're looking for, counselling and therapy could be really great for you. Relationship mediation, though, um, is a tool that can really help you have some structured and some real meaningful and in-depth conversations. And that is why I like to refer to relationship mediations as relationship conversations. You know, in terms of relationship problems, 10% of it is as a result of people disagreeing. The other 90% is as a result of miscommunication, tone of voice, all of that. And that is what we really work with during these relationship conversations is to make sure that that 90% isn't taking place, that we're actually hearing the message that you're trying to convey and equally the message that the other person is trying to convey. In episode 19, I was joined by Glenn Sandifer, the author of The Middle Ground, and he was sharing with us the correlation between our personal lives and our careers. Uh, since becoming a parent, I would say it, it's the season it, I doubled down on duty uh, because in marriage, it's about duty as well. I mean, I love my wife. I love the life we're creating. I love the family dynamic, uh, but you now have to serve at an even higher level. Uh, so you go into it knowing that you have these two little people uh, who are 100% dependent on and impacted by all of your decisions. As a single guy or a single man, most men will understand this. It's just me at 32. Eh, go to the bar. Eh, I mean, drive to Atlanta. Uh, let me fly up to Beijing real quick for the weekend. There's a flight that's cheap out of Sydney. You can't do that. You now, all of those decisions impact the people that you've created, these little people. It also clarifies, it also clarifies some things. I, I've, I've known and had the privilege of talking to and consulting with men. Once they had their kid, it, everything clicked. Everything clicked. In what way? Professionally, emo emotionally. It, it zeroed them in. I mean, when you have children, the opportunity for children is legacy. Failing in a relationship are a couple of reasons. We got to know who we are. We got to know what we want. We got to know what we qualify for. And we have to know with what we qualify for wants from us. And that is the middle ground. So I got into the space on accident, but uh, my knowledge uh, was curated out of my own personal trauma. So I wanted to have my, you know, have my moment do, do my self-reflection. What, what did I do wrong in the relationship? What things did I not evaluate properly? And how can this be impactful to help others? From a career perspective, it impacts us on a daily basis. Um, and it, it's, it actually is kind of our driving force or motivator. 
Um, I think if our relationship is going well and it is thriving, we tend to want to double down from a career standpoint. So I'll speak about it from, from this framework of the middle ground. In the middle ground, we believe that there are six type of men and six type of women. And of those six type of men and six type of women, you are one of them. So if you're one of them, you best match with the other. The problem in the relationship is you spend time with someone who you don't match with, and then all of this trauma is created. And then when you do meet someone that you want, you take all the negative traits from that trauma, and then you place it on these other group of men or women. This is where we get the term, all men are trash. There are, ain't no good women. That's where we get it from. It's not that there ain't no good women. It's these women that I dealt with look the same like these women, but they have completely different characteristics and completely different motivations. So I think professionally, as we continue to navigate our professional success, we need to make sure that we're appropriately aligned with the person that will help us continue to achieve that success and help us make the best decisions. I say that a relationship should be a mirror, specifically when you talk about a marriage, it should be a mirror and that person should be your trusted confidant. So if he or she has a work challenge, they really should be the first person you go to. Not your friends, not your dad, not your mom, not your cousin, not the guy up the street or a mentor. Most of the time, you're going the person who's going to know what you're dealing with in your career first is going to be your significant other. So it helps clarify what decisions you're going to make. And the earlier you learn that, the better and more long-term success that you will have. So how do you know that you're matching with the right person then? Um, it, it, if you look at some of the terminology, and, and we're now getting into part two of the book. Part two of the book is uh, coming out later this year. Well, later in this quarter, as of this recording. Uh, but part two of the book, we talk about matching. So we have to first know who we are and what we want. So if I am a guy, and I'm fine being a guy, and I say I want a modern woman, I don't qualify for a modern woman. I'm not interested in 50-50. I'm not going to meet her needs with conversation, chemistry. Um, I'm not going to be focused on financial gain and long-term building. Guys are not like that. Guys are just happy to be existing. They're typically invisible in most rooms that they walk in, and they know it. And they live their life in what we call the lonely paradigm. So they're lonely. And so they don't qualify for a modern woman because a modern woman, 50-50, strong independent. I have my career. I've done my education. I have my own house. I got my brand new car. I'm living life. And anybody I date is going to have to be at my level or higher. And then once we get into the relationship, we'll start negotiating 50-50, looking for someone. All right. I don't really like to cook. I want someone who can cook. So I don't really like to clean. I need someone who can clean. I want to have kids, but I don't want to do all the childcare. So I need someone who's going to partner with me on the childcare. The word partner is used. Guys don't understand partnership. They have no clue. So if you're a guy and you identify as a guy because the traits are identified as what a guy is, don't, qual don't go for a modern woman, you don't qualify. And you're gonna end up getting your feelings hurt because that modern woman's gonna move on to what she doesn't qualify for, which would be a city boy. Because the modern women love the city boy. She has all these great things going on, but the guy who's the most attractive, most interesting, charismatic, he has the swag, he has the body, the city guy, the city boy, he's city boy. 
He's out in the streets. He's only interested in one thing, being congratulated by his friends from sleeping with and banging the most women. Using that, using that language, banging. They say things like this. They're in the gym. They're on Instagram and YouTube all day. They're commenting. They're on the threads. That's what they do. So a modern woman is out here doing all this stuff, building. And then she goes and tries to convince the city boy or the F boy to come and be a modern man and pair with me. He has no interest or the emotional capacity to pair. So then she leaves the relationship with the city boy and meets a traditional man. And then that poor traditional man has to deal with all of the trauma and all of the disappointment that she had with the guy who wasn't enough, the city guy who couldn't commit. And he's out here just trying to live a life. I want to make $100,000 a year. I want my wife to be able to not have to work. I need to work. Okay, well, I don't want you to work. Well, why don't you want me to work? I just want someone that's going to be home, take care of me, take care of our home and take care of the kids. You want to slay. Whoa, I didn't, he didn't say that. So then they break up. He leaves that relationship. And then any traditional woman that, because he's only going to get with a traditional woman that he gets with, she's going, he's going to have clear cut questions to make sure that he is aligned there. So I think the most important thing is to know who you are, know what you want. And then when you know what you're qualified for, then once you know what, what you qualify for, if I'm city to city or, you know, city to city, guy to gal, male to female, traditional man to traditional woman, modern man to modern woman, high value to high value, then I know that the characteristics of what they're looking for in a relationship, I need to do the work to be the best version of myself so I can go support them in that effort. Because the relationship is about service. If you're thinking that you need to have a relationship or you need love to feel complete, you're going to be upset in the first five years because it is all about service. Every great relationship, every long-term relationship, for if your audience are like me, if they have their great-grandparents, grandparents, and then maybe their parents who've been together 40 years, it had nothing to do with just love. Love was the byproduct. It had everything to do with service and duty, and love became the emotion associated with the tangible investment of making a plan, making a deal, making a plan together, setting goals, and meeting those goals jointly. That's where happiness came from. If I am competing, and if there is chaos, the relationship or marriage will not thrive. Competing. My career is important and yours should not be. My career is more important to me, so you, it needs to be more important to you. I have to, do, I have to work out too. I have to work too. I have a job too. Competing. Chaos. What time do the kids have to get picked up? When is the light bill due? Wait, there was, a, there was a withdrawal for $450 from Target? What did you do at Target? Chaos. So if you have that over a five-year period, most people are out of their minds by then. You're, 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 you're lost. So the remedy from a tip standpoint when you have competition and chaos is what most people will find is happening in the relationship when they feel that they're, it's failing, is you have to have compromise and collaboration. So the compromise is, I'll say for me, her career is very important to her. That's also important to me. So we're going to work together to make sure she has the time to invest in her career. My career is important to me. She says, I understand that he has to travel. I understand that he's gone when the business requires him to be gone. I understand that he has to do other things to help promote the book and promote his services. I support that. 
So I'm going to have to do a little bit more around here and I'm going to have to make sure work is taken care of so it's not a distraction. So then collaboration and compromise meet in the middle and that's the middle ground. So when I have the compromise and then I have the collaboration, we're both pulling in the same direction. Most relationships that fail and the majority of the relationships in our modern world, people are pulling in opposite directions. People have different motivations. They don't have, they have different desires and different outcome expectations. But the key to that from a tip standpoint would be collaboration and what did I say? Compromise. <laughs> Compromise. <laughs> Compromise and collaboration. Then in episode 20, I was joined by Dan Hegerick and he was sharing with us the importance of our relationship with ourselves first. Once we have a strong relationship with ourselves, then everything else falls into place. So the idea was when my, when I was going through terminal cancer, I had a terminal cancer and I had, I was married and at one point that marriage was collapsing shockingly, like really quick, where I found out my wife was having an affair with another man. And I had been two years in remission. And so that set into motion a lot of my own unresolved issues around relationships. And I began to suffer. And that suffering was like jealousy, anger, confusion, betrayal abandonment there was a lot of things that were going on inside of me and then I sat with it and I said to myself I said why am I suffering for her choice that is what I mean by self-love is can you love the self one that you want to become and two can you love the self that's whispering in your ear quite low do this don't do that so that's why it's super important that you have some reasonable relationship with yourself in a direction that you want to head, then meet someone in the same highway, go in the same direction. Now we know that life is an alone job. You're alone in your own world, but we don't have to go alone. It showed me that all I needed to do was self-love the self that I want to become, yeah. that I am underneath the bullshit right underneath the unresolved stuff and then finally episode 21 straight after valentine's day and what a better time than to remember the importance of goodwill in our relationships and how we can keep that going without the love hearts without the flowers without the hallmark gift cards you kind of think are uh, not important but it might show your partner that you are thinking of them that you know you're trying to help them and that's what this goodwill is about it's about being inclusive and making the other person feel good inside like doing those things might not take very much time for you at all but it could mean the world to your partner and it's really important that we do that often because that is what keeps those relationships going in the times when things are going downhill those times when you're feeling tired and stressed and overwhelmed and the conflict cycles kicked in 
that's when you draw on that goodwill. That's when you kind of go, I know this is just a rough patch, but there's still stuff there. And you can draw on that bank account to help top the relationship up in the time of need. And that is it for our wrap up of episodes 12 to 21 of the Relationship Talks podcast. These last or these last 10 episodes have been about a whole range of topics. But one thing that is, I suppose, relevant for each of them is you and the role that you play in each of these relationships. Our next 10 episodes are even more spectacular, so please stick around. Um, And I can't wait to see you next Thursday for our next episode of Relationship Talks, where I'm joined by Paula Yoles, where we talk about our relationships between ourselves and food. I will see you then. And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. If you can, I would love for you to jump on and leave a review. And whilst you are at it, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please join me again next week when we get to take a look behind closed doors at someone else's relationship. But until then, I am your host, Laurie Brooke, and remember the choice is yours, so make today and the week the very best it can be.